Here we go again. Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we're going to hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in community, as well as intentionally serving your children. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we're going to hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. These stories will connect us and allow us to continue to grow into the men fatherhood is calling us to be. I bring each guest on due to specific stories they've shared with me, ones that I think will make you laugh or help you grow. Get ready. This is going to be a good one. So last night I had my book release and it was amazing and it was very special because uh, one of my greatest friends and mentors was able to come. His name is Grant Thiessen and I have many stories of how he has helped shape me in my life and he drove up to the book release and now we're sitting in my office and I just thought we got to push record and have some conversation because this guy's got so much wisdom. So Grant, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And thanks for driving up to the book release last night. It was yeah. it was fun and crazy. So just to give people a little bit of background, Grant was a pastor, still is, and I was uh, one of the leaders in his youth group. We spent a lot of years in Huntington Beach doing youth ministry together, and uh, now we live in different places, still doing the same kind of stuff. I just have so much respect and admiration for Grant. So Grant, to give people a little bit of background or understanding the framework of where you are today, how many years have you been married? Oh, man. Don't let my wife listen to this. Let's say 38. 38? 38. And how many kids do you guys have? Four kids, uh, nine grandkids. Nine grandkids. You've got some wisdom to share. Uh, Yeah. Got some history. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So as Grant and I were thinking about, okay, what are we going to talk about? Um, I just thought, hey... Four kids, nine grandkids. It would be awesome to hear a little bit of your story um, because there's a lot of dads out there listening to this who could gain from from your life. Hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> there is a lot of history. Uh, you know, I look back, my oldest daughter is now 38. My oldest grandkid is 16. And that uh, puts me pretty old. <laughs> 57 about four days ago happy just, birthday yeah thank you just coming up thinking about your book and looking at your life and how invested you are in your kids uh you know i was a young guy uh 19 basically ruined my life because on drugs about overdose about died god saved me married my high school sweetheart and we just just dove into ministry had our first kid on the way and it just seemed like it was a fast-paced life of uh, ministry and work. I did probably 12, 14 years uh, bivocational, so was youth pastoring, just kind of learned as I went, and those times I was driving truck about 80 hours a week. On top of having a family and being a youth pastor. Yeah. 80 so hours a week two driving or three, truck. By then, two or three kids, Sheesh. 80 hours of truck driving, youth pastoring, and yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know that I was the greatest dad. I, I didn't know that I wasn't, Yeah. but all I knew is what I knew. You know, my, my dad was a hardworking man, worked at a factory and I don't, I don't remember him ever saying he loved me, but I knew he did. 
Yeah. But he didn't know how. I don't remember him hugging me, but he made every practice, every ball game. He provided for our family, but I don't think he knew how, so he just passed it down on I don't know how. Uh, story about my dad. He taught me severe work ethic. I was 10 years old. My brother was 11. You know, finally got out of school. We're excited about the summer to watch, you know, cartoons on Saturday morning. That's the only time they had cartoons back then. And uh, <laughs> the first day of summer, he wakes us up about five in the morning. We're all sleepy eyed. He loads us in the car, drives us. We lit up in the country, you know, Kingsburg. It's like farm country, USA. So peaches, nectarines all over the place. Took us out to a field where my uncle was uh, kind of the, he kind of was a crew boss of all okay. these field workers. And I uh, got us out of the car. It was still dark. Set us down beside the this little busy highway. And he looked, kind of knelt down and looked at my brother and my, right in our eyes. And he says, boys, calls us boys. He says, men work every day. And some days you get paid for it. I'll pick you up at the end of the day. And he just left us there. And there was these Hispanic crews. Nobody talked English. We rode on the side of a Ben trailer for hours in and out of the orchard grading peaches. We had a little round ring and then the peach goes through, you throw it out. And if it doesn't, you keep it's it good. in. And I mean, we did that at five days straight. And that was our, how our summer started at 10 years old. And then Saturday oh morning gosh. comes around. Nope. He gets us out of bed, six o'clock. Got to do yard work. Men work every day. Don't get paid for it today. <laughs> so that kind of started our history of you know, working, work ethic, <clears throat> always worked. And so I'm interrupting this important conversation that you probably just started getting into with a big announcement during the month of November and the beginning of December, 2019, I need your help. And this is all hands on deck. I've created a daily journal designed to help dads like you and I stay focused on being the engaged and intentional fathers we desire to be. Do you ever feel like I do sometimes, like you're not cutting it, you're not hitting the mark as a father? Well, my hope is that this journal would be one tool that could help you get there. But it will not come to market unless it is funded. We are doing this through a crowdfunding website where it's all or nothing. So please go to our Instagram or Facebook at Rebel and Create and follow links to our Kickstarter campaign for the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Or you can go to kickstarter.com and in the search, put in Fatherhood Legacy Journal or Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal, and it'll pop up and we need your help. So please buy a journal for yourself, for a friend, or for a dad that you know. We would so appreciate it because we believe fatherhood matters and we're doing all we can to spread the word and create tools that will help support dads everywhere. And now back to that important conversation you were just getting into. So we're in ministry and we're raising kids and life is fast and I don't know a lot of the issues I had going into it. I look back now and at my age and uh, saw so much stuff I I didn't do right, but I didn't know I didn't do it right. Yeah. I'm just me, you know, I had some issues in my life that I didn't know about, some insecurities and I say, I remember back uh, when I think about my two oldest kids uh, you know, they grew up with the dad was a youth pastor, and then they were in their their dad's right, group. So that right. was kind of weird, you know. And I just remember uh, I didn't know how to uh, love my kids. It was I was so insecure and inferior. It's like I could sit down and counsel 50 kids in my youth group, hear their heart, hug on them, love on them, 
didn't know how to do it at home. Just mm. didn't. I had. It, I was this different person. Yeah. And looking back, I remember uh, so many days, even in Huntington Beach, when my kids were at the end of their high school years and joining the ministry team. I just. I, I remember I would come home angry. I don't know why. I was on full time staff now. You know, and I'd come in and uh, I had a great day. I met people. I solved a bunch of problems. And when I walked in the door, I, I can feel like I had this mad look on my face. Why? And it was like, pick up that. Why is that out? I said that trash should be out. Why is the room? And just, just drill, 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 Sergeant. And I don't know why I was that way. I had some pretty serious issues. And uh, I remember I would come home and... I would, uh, if I was frustrated and mad at my son, I would call him boy. Hmm. I'd say, boy, I said the trash has to be out when I get home. And looking back, it just still, it's very heartbreaking looking at the guy I was back then. Like, how could you address your son not even using his name? And, you know, that created some pretty deep hurt in my children because they, you know, I don't see it. Yeah. And they're seeing this guy who is there for every kid in the world except them. And that was a hard thing to come to. We were 15 years in the ministry in Huntington Beach. You were there, Ned. Yeah. Uh, nobody knew this stuff. You know, we had growing this youth group. We had a junior high group. We had it almost to 200. I mean, we yeah, had a successful. Massive, and, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Everybody would see Grant Thies like, oh, man, he's got to be the greatest guy in the world. You know, he loves his wife and kids, a youth pastor. He's real energetic. He's a go-getter, overachiever. You know, that's what people outside. And I wasn't like this mean guy. Right. Yeah. But I just didn't know how to love on my own, to be a father like that. And uh, it was difficult. And my son was, uh, he wasn't really outgoing, you know. So some of the things I really damaged him and my older daughter were, pretty just hidden inside and we had this breaking point and, and this is personal so I won't get detailed but you know God really started working on my heart it was just like that time frame that he thought we're gonna fix you now hmm. you know you had some stuff that happened when I was a young kid and I had severe issues with insecurity and inferiority and intimidation and I was just controlled by it I mean I would go to conferences and be the speaker and I was so insecure and inferior to the people I was teaching at the conference. I mean, sweaty palms, yeah, almost yeah, a throw yeah. up. Like I would be around my peers all through high school and even even as a minister. And I would just never see myself as like them. Like they were way above me. I was so inferior and intimidated and insecure. And so to offset that, I was this control freak over my wife and kids. So that kind of made me balance. And so God started doing this working our life, my wife's life. My wife brought this old lady into our life to kind of just start really doing like a recovery thing. Like yeah. she did like the 12 steps of celibate recovery before they ever wrote the program. Right. Literally the same st- process. We did our inventory, we wrote our life stories. It was brutal for about a year and a half of just tearing me apart and identifying these issues, these deep-seated root problems in my life that everybody has. Oh. Yeah, life is messy. But all we see is a symptom problem. So right. what's Grant's problem? He's a control freak. Well, that's a problem, but it was symptomatic. It came from some serious, deep-seated, rooted problem that kind of grew with me as I grew older. So I, it was just a normal part of our life. I didn't realize yeah. that I was broken. I mean, I'm a pastor, you know? I preach the word. I got successful ministry. 
going on here. I think every pastor needs to go through a 12-step recovery hmm. before they even qualify. Right? Yeah. So that was uh, that was pretty... That was life-changing. And on the, on the backside of getting some pretty serious healing, I didn't have to be the control guy no more. And I, I still battle. I still get up in the mornings, and in my mind, I open that closet... I pull out insecurity, inferiority, and intimidation, and I beat it in the face through spiritual warfare, and I say, you won't owe me today. Yeah. And I put it back, and I go out and, Do and, and serve people. And so sometimes it's almost humorous. You know, we our kids are grown. They have all have their own kids, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, hanging around the family picnics or whatever. You know, the two. I think the two older ones' thoughts, they, uh, yeah. You got the good dad of the younger two. We to got the, the younger two. We got two. the jerk guy, <laughs> which is pretty accurate, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, like you said before, and that's what this whole rebel and create thing is about is, I mean, think about when you have your first kid. We have rules for everything, but you can go have a baby and they just send you home with it. And, and no you manual. Figure it out. <laughs> no. Figure it out. It's the most wild thing. And... A lot of us, like you said, life is messy. We have our stories. We have the things that have shaped us. And most of us don't pause and reflect on it. Mm-hmm. We just keep going day in, day out. But, you know, that's why for me, especially having mentors in my life is huge because you and others have communicated to me as I've started my family of, hey, this is where I messed up and this is what you should do. And here, think about this or that. And so many of us want to go at it our own and, and just figure it out, but yeah. In my day, there was no guys didn't talk. Yeah, you didn't share in a small group. You didn't have a mentor. You kind of winged it on your own. You didn't show your emotions or if you know, your weakness. Yeah, you just held it all in, and then like there's no training for your life. And here you wind up, you know, mid forties, and realize you can't back up and redo those things you said yeah. and those things you did or didn't do. I and, and stuff is so. You know, the power of life and death is in the tongue. I can't date back what I said. Right. Now, I can make all kinds of life now. Every time I see my son and uh, speak life into him, I'm so proud of you, man. You're the greatest father I've ever seen, man. I, I tell him a lot of times, I wish I could have been like you. Mm. You give your whole life to your kids. I think, and I hope he doesn't hear this podcast, but <laughs> I think he realized I'm not going to be that guy. To my kids. And yeah. so my oldest son has given his whole life to his kids and his wife. Kind of like, I'm not doing that deal. Which, at least he got that out of it. He knew how not to do it, yeah. you know. But but like you said, you know, your dad didn't say I love you. But he, sh- but you knew he did, right? And so it, you, you did dad the best you could. Yeah. And then your son saw you. And now he's growing and doing it for his kids. Even and, better. In better. And how cool is that that he's he didn't take some of those things. Or yeah. or that, you know, by the time you figured some of it out, he saw you figured it out and went, Oh, yeah. there is another way. Yeah. You know? Even my dad, like he's seventy seven years old. Every chance he gets, he tells me he loves me. So when did that happen? Like not long ago. Like I was a grown man. And, you know, he he probably realized at late 50s, almost yeah. 60, man, I don't think I've ever told my sons I love them. And now through text or phone call, every chance, they ask you to love your son. Big hug. I'm like, Dude, how, that makes how me... tortured has this guy been all his life? 
Because his dad probably, you know, yeah. just rough German. You know, we just work. We don't show emotion. And you know I love you. I don't got to say it. Gosh, Man. who made that up? I'm, tear- I'm teary-eyed right now just thinking about it because what's wild is you're 57. And it still freaking matters to you. Oh. Like even hearing it from your own dad. And I go, dude, fatherhood matters. And it's not just when your kid's five, six, seven years old. It's forever. 57. And it's still awkward to hear him say it. That shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be weird. And I feel bizarre that my dad looks in my eyes. And, but we didn't, we didn't know that how to do yeah. that. And so we're having to push through that. Me and my dad, and then me and my son. Yeah. Like this is I mean, the awkward hug. Yeah. I love you, son. It's just don't go there. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't know? do that. But here's a good story. So <clears throat> about four years ago, I'm at my daughter's house. My grandsons are uh, seven and twelve. And so we're in her house. I'm watching NASCAR. Yeah. So I'm dialed in, you know, don't <laughs> don't bother me. The, the ladies are all gone. So my son is there. He's 32 and they're in the kitchen and the two grandsons are arguing about who's taking out the trash you know the younger one's like it's your turn and the older one your mom said you're supposed to do it and justin's kind of like my son's like come on you guys just somebody pick out the trash and and so they're annoying me because i'm the race is intense and i it's just kind of in the background and then the one bigger one hits the one and and i (laughs) get frustrated i look at i said boy don't be hitting your brother Mm -hmm. and when i said the word boy like that my son whipped around like, oh, my God, he's back. Mm. Dude, I died. I ran over there, got on my knees in front of all three of them and said, I'm so sorry, Jackson, that I called you. Your yeah. name is Jackson. Yeah. I'm so sorry that I would treat you that way and, and just dishonor you by saying the word. And I can see my son like, okay, he's he's not back. He, he's, he knows it. He's a little he flare it. up, but he's, he's, he's back in the cage, you know. That but was that's the, but brutal, man. But that's the beauty man. of it, though. The beauty of life is that life is messy, and that's okay. And we start to see, you know, we're all a work in progress. Yeah. We're all a work in progress, and to catch it. And I think that's the thing that a lot of men struggle with is instead of just jumping on your knees right there and going, I messed up. We just throw it under the rug and bury it. Yeah, and, well, you know, they should just act different. Oh, well, yeah. Right. In, a, in a week, everybody will forget this happened yeah. or something like the, that. And it's like, it don't. It doesn't. No. <laughs> they don't have, and no. they don't forget years later. Yeah. So that There's was so my, much power. Whew. There's so much power in fatherhood and, and motherhood too. But I just don't think we, we talk about it enough as dads to go, fatherhood matters. The things we say and do and simple. Yeah. I love you to my kid. It's simple. It's so simple to do, but like you're saying, I mean, it's hard. If it's it's hard if if you haven't just been in it, and so generation after generation, you know, I, I look now and I say, I I had a tough road with that, and I knew my dad mm-hmm. loved me, but hardworking guy, you know, went to a factory, worked hard. He came home hot and tired, kicked off his boots, ate dinner, went to bed, like. I don't know. He didn't say it, but I knew he did. And then there I am. I'm just passing this curse on of not relational, not interactive. Went to every practice, every ball game, never yeah. missed. But di- but that's that's just the, the shell of it. You, it was just so weird to get emotional or yeah. personal. And so now I see, I see my two sons. Man, they. 
my younger son, he's every day he's with that little kid on the ground and the, and the floor looking in his eyes. I'm like, where were you, Grant? I mean, all you did was you were so passionate about kingdom work. Day, I mean, hours, you were overachiever, work all day and night, ministry all day and night at the expense of your kids. I wish somebody would have come alongside me at 30 and said, hey, dude, you're way out of balance. You're sacrificing this for that, and that ain't God's plan. Nobody told me that. Yeah. It was too late to come back. I mean, that's not how it should be. Fathers should not only father their kids, we should we should help father those young guys that we see are off track. Take the risk of offending a man. Don't let him do what I did. Yeah. Well, you did that for me, and, and we did that You know, last night after the party. We were sitting around in the house talking, and I was sharing a story with you. You know, and my life is good and it's messy and hard, but you did that for me. So when I'm, I was 20 years old and I'm about to get married. And I remember I told you last night, I remember exactly where I was standing in a parking lot. You were standing up on the curb and you're like, all right, so your, your wedding's in a couple of weeks and, and you were coming to officiate the wedding. And you said, so what's your plan? It's like, oh, I'm just going to do this, uh, this, uh, Christian clothing thing. And I've got this really awesome job offer. Um, in sales, but I'm not doing that because I just want to do, do ministry. ministry. And you look me in the eyes. I mean, I feel like you choked me across the with, with just looking at me. You're like, no, you're not doing that. You have this opportunity to go and provide for your family, and you're taking that job. You're taking that job, and I respected and trusted you. So I said, well, Grant said I had to do it. So I guess you know because what you'd think the pastor would say to you is, that's right, do the ministry. God will provide. Whatever, whatever. And you're like, no, do that on the side if you want, but you're taking that job. And I was like, okay. So I took that job. And I mean, it's led me, it's been, I mean, 15 years later, uh, it, it has served me very well. And then it served me too, like, like doing this podcast right now or writing the book. I, I don't have to make any money on any of those things. It's uh, my business is successful enough that I can (laughs) do those things strictly from the heart. And so you're doing what we said. You got a full time, I've got a full time, responsible job, yep. and you get to do stuff. And my, anyway, yep. And my kids are eating, and <laughs> Everybody, yeah, everyone's got a place to sleep. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's just the beautiful thing about it is you've taken your story and you've taken the things you went through, yeah. and you're continuing to pour it in. So I was going to ask, as I was thinking about it, how's your relationship with your grandkids? Really good. Yeah, I am Papu, Papu, Mamu, and Papu. Yeah, so we, you know, we we left them all there. We left Huntington Beach seven years ago, moved back to our hometown. And so we got four kids, nine grand, well, ninth on the way, eight, one on the way. Right there within a couple miles of, the, of each other. And so my wife is so passionate about family. You know, she didn't have a lot of family in her life growing up. Lost her dad when she was five, pretty broken, fractured. So my family was really her family. Yeah. So she said, here's what we're going to do. If we move back to Kingsburg, we're coming down here once a month. For seven years, once a month, we drive to Huntington Beach. And then she'll do extra stuff like, hey, it's opening day football, but you got to preach a Sunday. I'm out of here. No, I'll go. We get up six in the morning, drive four hours, go to a game, eat dinner, drive back home. Not a problem. <laughs> you guys do a lot together. We do. You guys are tight. Our whole life together. I mean, we did ministry together. Forever, she was always my partner. She did all the flashy stuff, scheduling, and I just walked in and got all the gl- the glory, you know, for yeah. <laughs> being the leader. But yeah, we do every day. 
of our life together. So that's been uh, pretty unique to be. I mean, she's my best friend, man. Mm. And we had, I mean, we should have never worked out. Someone who really lived a life being under control as a child found a guy who was a control freak. Shouldn't have worked. So 38 <laughs> years and, and she's your best friend. So what are the best things friend. that you guys do that help to make it where you still want to hang out every day together? Dude, you got to. You got to put time in. And like anything, you don't invest. You know why a best friend's your best friend? Because you spend the most time with them. Yeah. So my routine is I get up at 5 o'clock. I go down to the landing where it's a student ministry or a student recovery that I run. I make coffee for all my boys. All these little crusty farmers come in. We drink coffee from 5.30 to 6.30. I go home. I put the pot on for my wife. Because I was a jerk husband for a lot of years, and I will make that up till I die. Mm. When she gets out of bed, she walks. Here she is. She comes out of the bedroom. She's walking down the hall, and I'm standing there with her cup of coffee, mm. ready to go, babe. So I break. She my wakes day up to you serving her every day, <laughs> and then we hang out. I we go over my schedule. She has my count. Hey, there's no secrets. She has my whole calendar, all my passwords. She can look at my phone anytime. It's, it's like we're one. It's supposed yeah. to be that way. Yeah. And uh, she goes on her day. I go on mine. We interact in the middle. We come together at night and we hang out. I mean, we we uh, we did a road trip, you know, because she's big into Chip and Joanna. Did a road trip, 13 days, 5,000 miles to Oklahoma to see the Pioneer Woman. Then we went down to Waco to see all the, you know, Magnolia stuff. And it was great. That's so you cool. Gotta, you got to be close to somebody to spend that much yeah. time with them day and night. And it's crazy how many married couples don't spend time together. We don't even know each other. We're yeah. so busy doing life. Shoot. And then when the kids move out or, yeah, when the kids move out or when life changes, you wake up, you're like, who's this person I'm with? Yeah, that happens a lot. You got to pause and spend time. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I hey, think... the best thing, you want to you wanna raise good kids to be good adults, let them see you loving your wife. Hmm. More than anything you say. I mean, I remember my, I, we at least got that right. They were always like, oh, that's sick. That's so gross. Don't do that in front of us. I you remember. Know? I remember. You've done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My kids hate it. But I remember, I mean, I remember. So, I mean, in our 20s, Grant's house was, you could, it never locked. Huntington Beach never, never locked. locked. I mean, he'd walk in from any, there's always going to be 20 year olds there. And he'd just walk in, oh, hey, Ned, how you doing? Oh, we're in his fridge, eating his food, you know. <laughs> but that was like my greatest memory. And I hope one day that my house is like that where it's a safe place for people to show up. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you'd be like just loving your wife. It didn't matter. And and I think, like you said, that's the greatest gift you could give your kids. So, so even though there are the things that you feel like you wish you would have done differently, that one gift that hmm. your kids saw... This is how you're faithful. Maybe not how you're, it's always perfect, but how I'm still always here. Yeah. You know, and that, that is not yeah, a consistent thing. I got a lot thing. of good stuff right. I, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but the things I got wrong were painfully wrong. But we realized it and we right. were willing in midstream to say, God, I don't care if you break me apart, remake me. Yeah. And I'll take the rest of my life making it up. So that's what we do. It's just never you never quit yeah being a father or needing a father you never quit it never ends in a good way yeah in a good way in yeah. a good way this goes this keeps going yeah 
So any other stories or anything, you know, before we, we finish up, uh, good, bad, funny, hmm. it's kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah. I can't think of any. Let's see. My son. So my youngest son, you know, Orange County, kind of entitled millennial. You know, you're hoping one day he gets it. <laughs> so, so, you know, for a while I was like, oh yeah, dad, I, I, I don't know. I worked 20 hours this week. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like. And, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to get mad at you, kid. But I, when I was your age, I had yeah. four kids and I worked 80 hours a week. Driving a was, truck, which is a gnarly job. time pastoring. So, I mean, you told us truck drive stories of like waking up in another town. Yeah, like, wow, I just blinked and I'm 14 miles down the road. And so, uh, you know, he it kind of kicked in and he got married and had a baby. And so, you know, the whole... You know, 10 hours a week is enough work for it. And, you know, so he came around. So last week he texted me. And uh, so he's got one two-year-old and the baby on the way. He said, yep, just got home from 12-hour day, made dinner, fed my family, doing the dishes right now. You know, men work every day. And some days you get paid for it. Oh, my god! So I, I took a snapshot of <laughs> yeah. that text. I said, I'm so proud of you, man. Yeah. You are a good man, a good father. And, and I sent that to my dad. He sent back, like in tears, like, boy, you did good. Yeah. I said, you did good, dad. You got ah. some stuff wrong, but you taught us. This is what you serve. Your life is not for you. You taught me that. Yeah. You get married, you're on the back burner. Yeah. And you serve, serve these people. And if you get a chance, at the end of the day, you get yourself. Yeah. If you don't, it's all right. Man, it's so. So that was uh, that came so, a long way. You're my yeah. kid from this just millennial entitled kid to hardworking man. Well, what's I mean, yeah. what's so great about it is you go, okay, he's he's twenties, and when he's doing that, working his tail off that day, he's freaking thinking about you. You know, <laughs> like he comes home, he comes home, and he's in his almost thirty years old, and who does he want to share it with, man? It's like. You know, when your kids, you're, you know, I got, if you look around my office, I got pictures my kids have painted for me, yeah. right? <laughs> and they're messy and they're whatever. But your kid comes in wanting, oh, my dad to like, check it out, dad. I made this for wall, you. Yeah, yeah, you hung it on this wall. And you're, you're 30 years old. You're still going, I want to show this to my dad. Ah, uh, you know, yeah. it, and you, it's just, it never ends. And I, I think we forget that and that it matters. And then you wanted to share it with your dad, like dad, you That's crazy. from when I was ten years and it mattered to you. The first person you thought of I want to be proud of me and my son is my own dad. Yeah, who gave me the quote when I was who ten years old. Who gave me the quote when I'm ten? <laughs> and you go, gosh, it's just all matters, it's all connected. We all desire that belonging, that uh we desire to be loved and accepted. And uh yeah. Ah, it's just so cool. And I think that's the thing that I want to do with, with talking about this stuff is just help me and all of us, like fatherhood matters and how can I grow and how can I learn and how can I not be better, but be aware that my words, my actions are having significant influence on everyone around me. Good or bad. Good or bad. And that's the legacy that we leave. You know, your dad and you and me, it's like the legacy is the people that we're 
um, shaping around us because we have the opportunity to bring life to people. And, you know, I think, I think it's part of my responsibility that the way that I love my wife and kids is bring is like a flower. It's kind of dumb to say, but it's allowing their beauty inside of them to come out like Mm. the real them. And I have the power to close that up with my words and, or open it up where they could be vulnerable in themselves. And yeah, Oh man, it's so good. It is. It's, it is good, man. I just spending time with you is so good. And, um, Thank you for, I know right now there's probably 12 kids running around outside, (laughs) six dogs, and there's a few people who've stayed out here on the property last night, and we just jammed into the office to just talk about stuff that's important, and uh, I appreciate you, and I keep learning from you, and thanks for letting us record our conversation. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. been an honor to be here and and see you and the book and your family and you're doing it right and so proud to be called your friend hey that was just incredible to have grant uh here and be a part of the podcast and thank you to all you dads out there listening to rebel and creates fatherhood field notes podcast what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood.